Sam. Yeah, Don. What's the word? Passive. Passive? A bar was walked into by the passive voice. Where'd you hear that? I I heard heard it through the grapevine. Welcome. It's the AA Grapevine Half Hour Variety Hour, featuring the collective voices of Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm Don, an alcoholic in Greensboro, North Carolina. Hey, Don. Hey, everybody. I'm Sam, an alcoholic in Palm Springs, California. Join us in the parking lot for the meeting after the meeting, a conversation about recovery with someone in AA. And it's fitting because I've spent many hours standing in the parking lot talking with this guy. He happens to be my sponsor. (laughs) I bet that was a hard interview to get. (laughs) Today, we have Philip L. How did you meet Philip? I used to drink with Philip. He got sober two years before I did. In fact, he was the person I turned to when I realized I needed to quit drinking and go to AA. Well, I realized I needed to quit drinking long before that, but suddenly one day I decided (laughs) the, the gig's up. I have to go to Alcoholics Anonymous. I can't do this anymore. And he's the person I called. Philip is an artist and I'm an artist. And so, you know, I could identify with him and I could trust him because he was an artist. So he was an outsider like I am. Because all (laughs) artists are trustworthy, right? Yeah, completely trustworthy. But I love to tell the story. So just so you'll know that Philip's really one of us. Mm. One time I was over at his house and it was the end of the workday. His wife came home. Then we were drinking. We were having a great time. At this point, we were inside listening to some music, sitting on the sofa. Well, she came home and he said, let me get you a glass of wine. And she said, thank you. She sat down and I started talking to her. He disappeared. He came back in from the kitchen, walking incredibly slowly, balancing a wine glass that he had filled to the brim. It was was a big pour. It was a big pour. (laughs) It was filled to the point that the liquid was being held in by water tension. I mean, you could see a little bead above the level of the top of the wine glass. So he was walking very slowly over to Good thing he didn't have the jitters. No kidding. (laughs) It probably took him a minute to walk across the room and he handed it to her with this look in his eye. Here you are. And she said, what is the matter with you? Because that's crazy. She was going, why didn't you just pour half a glass of wine? Well, it made sense to me. You know, the, the, the proper thing to do in a situation when you have overfilled a glass like that is you leave it sitting on the counter and you put your lips to the rim and you suck the liquid from the glass. So, you know, you may consume some of someone else's wine in that situation, but it's all for tidiness sake. Well, I'm glad that uh, I never drank with you, Sam, <laughs> knowing that you're taking the hit off of everything yeah, that you're born. You wouldn't born have gotten what me. you paid for. Well, <laughs> Philip is a real alcoholic. Did you have any friends who quit drinking before you joined AA? Because there were two people that I watched in Alcoholics Anonymous. I had my eye on them. I was always looking at them going, they're not drinking. Are they really happy? 
You know, I did not have that experience. There was one guy that I had such a crush on that worked at a clothing store in Greensboro. In my late teen and early 20 years, I was shopping and buying things from him because I had a crush, things that I really shouldn't have been spending money on. (laughs) Years later, I went to my second meeting. He was sitting in that room and it shocked me. He is one of the ones who was absolutely instrumental in my getting sober simply because when that meeting ended, I bolted out the door because that's what I did in my early recovery. Yeah. And I'm out in the parking lot at my car and he followed me out. Yeah. And he talked with me about um, his recovery and that he was happy to see me there. Well, it was important to me to know people. And also when I came in, I discovered other people who I did not know were in Alcoholics Anonymous. So one guy, another artist walked in and he said, Don, why are you here? Which was a great question to ask. (laughs) He had me going for first step right at the very beginning there, but it was so good to see him because I didn't know he was an alcoholic and it kind of made it okay. There's people I know here. This is going to be all right. It's safe. There were people there that I knew. Yeah. Well, let's get to our interview. Hi, my name is Philip L. I'm an alcoholic and I'm from Greensboro, North Carolina. Hey, Philip. I am so delighted to be here. This is a special day for me. It is a special day. When did you get sober? August 15th of 1992. Whoa. Which is today, Sam. You didn't know. Well, no, this is August 15th, 2021, Don. Oh, that's Not 1992. Right. That's right. The passage of time. <laughs> Congratulations, Philip. That's awesome. How many one day at a times is that? Gosh, I haven't figured that out. <laughs> Have you changed... From when you first came to AA, would you say that your approach to life is slightly different than it was when you walked into the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous? Yes, I would. Good answer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it has changed. I tell you, it started to change from the very beginning. Uh, Honestly, it did. In what way? Well, when I went to my first meeting, I had an idea about what I was looking for. And then that was I wanted to stop drinking. You really wanted to quit drinking forever. Well, I don't know if I put forever on it, but I knew at that time I had finally gotten to the place to where I wanted to stop. Yeah. Wanted to stop. It wasn't a thing of wanting to come in and learn how to control your drinking. Yeah, no, that's right. I was done. So I knew that. That was what I was looking for. And I got that right away, practically. I don't know if I heard it in my first meeting or or within the first week, but I clearly heard from the people there that if I wanted to stop drinking, they they could show me how to do that. And they did that by telling me how they did it, which was by relying upon a power greater than themselves to give them the strength to not drink one day at a time. That seems really abstract. Yeah. How do you get to that? I mean, did, did you already have a power greater than yourself in your life? Not in so many words. You know, what I lacked, I mean, I, was, I considered myself a believer, 
but I didn't have a relationship, a working relationship with the God of my understanding. I, that term, I'd never even heard that, you know, the God of my mm-hmm. understanding. None of this. It was all new to me. Told me that they relied upon this power, however they defined it, to give them the strength to not drink, you know, and that it worked for them. They were able to not drink one day at a time by that method. I went for it without question. It's, I mean, it sounded strange. They were offering this, this is a solution, and, I, and that's what I was looking for. And I tried it, and it worked. It worked immediately. You didn't have any desire to ever drink after that? It was just like, bam, removed? That's right. I mean, wow. the desire was pretty much gone, I guess, but the compulsion to drink was lifted immediately. And I look upon that as a miracle today. And, and it was at the time I was just so, I don't know what to say, flummoxed all the time. <laughs> I was just sort of a fuzzball in my brain. Yeah. Trying to control myself to not drink was like impossible. I couldn't do it. I knew I couldn't do it. I had finally realized that I was going to drink every day, whether I chose to or not. I didn't. It was just something that was going to happen. And it actually scared me for the first time. I had been afraid before if I thought about not being able to drink, that would give me a bring on an anxiety attack. Like, how am mm-hmm. I going to live without alcohol? Yeah, because it was a solution, right? Exactly. But it had stopped working. Mm-hmm. And I knew that I had no choice or control over whether or not I was going to drink. And it just really scared me. And I thought, I'm completely out of control. There's nothing I can do. Help. You know, I I was desperate. And when AA was suggested to me by my therapist, I didn't argue with him or say anything. I just went, "Mm -hmm, yeah, he said I was a a perfect candidate for AA, you know. Had you heard of AA before? I guess, but I, I didn't know one thing about Alcoholics Anonymous and really didn't know a thing about alcoholism. Well, so what you're describing is... It sounds like a spiritual experience that you had right at the very beginning. Yeah. Did you then struggle at all with sobriety or was it just everything laid out for you? (laughs) Somewhere in between. I mean, I didn't struggle because I just came in completely whipped. I mean, I was meek and I was ready. If I look back over my whole life when I've sort of been pushed up against the wall by circumstances. If somebody offered me a a solution to that, I would meekly take the solution, you know, and just follow directions. And, and they offered something, I took it and I embraced it. And everything they said, everything that I heard, everything that was offered, I would take it right on board. I, I just, I was just like a tabula rasa, man. I was just like blank. They just said it and I just popped it in, you know. Wow. That was not the case for me. And there are lots and lots of claw marks. In fact, there were claw marks all over my sponsor from me fighting. (laughs) So I struggled against a lot of the things. And it would come back to, you need to be willing, Don. And you know, you can go back out and drink again. And, you know, I heard that. (laughs) And it's like, well, no, I don't want to do that. I just want to argue. I just didn't have those problems. 
I was ready. You know, I could have qualified for the rooms 20 years before I showed up mm. easily. Except you weren't ready. I was not ready. And you I wouldn't was, have had that willingness. No, no, I didn't. I wasn't looking to stop drinking. I was, I was trying to manage my life on my own terms, whatever they were. Let's jump forward a little bit. So I met you when you were 10 years sober. So I met you either late 2002 or early 2003, somewhere around in there. Wow. Okay. And, you know, I remember Dapper was the, the descriptor <laughs> that came to mind when I met you because you would walk into the room and you greeted so many of us and wow. just, just like this perfect gentleman that walked in there. Uh, you were outgoing and pleasant. Um, none of the things that you just described to me that you were when you came into the rooms. So that was at your 10 year mark. Gosh. I love that was really nice of you to share that with me. Um, and it reminded me how I made a point when I go to that meeting, I'd, I'd walk around the room and shake hands with every person who mm -hmm. was there. <laughs> yes. But I just wanted to do that. I think deep down, maybe in every person, there's somebody who's really sweet and wants to love and to be loved. The program answered that need for me. You know, was it Dr. Bob that said that it just boils down to love and service? Love and service. I don't really like that. I think that it's true. No matter when I came into AA, I felt really bad about myself and I should have felt bad about myself. I had a lot of bad behavior behind me, yeah, but I, in the course of going through the steps, I have done what I can do to make amends for all of that bad behavior. And I don't live that way anymore. There's that metaphor that there's a pack of dogs and the dogs that you feed are the ones that get stronger. Yeah. And the, the mean dogs in my nature was what I used to feed. And the very thirsty dogs in my nature was what I used to feed <laughs> before I got sober. But, but once I got sober, I'm trying to feed and nurture the dogs of compassion, of love that you just Not the rebellion dogs. Not the rebellion dogs. <laughs> you know, uh, just another restatement of it. I think it's in the 12 and 12. It says something about there's a little bit of bad in the best of us and a little bit of good in the worst. Yes. I love that because it, I find that to be true. And the thing that you described, that's, that was true about me. Mm -hmm. And over these years in working this program and trying to live this way, I have changed the ratios. Mm -hmm. I've, I've fed the good dogs. I have built up the good in me by having this manual for how to live, so to speak. Who's a good dog? Who's a good belly dog, scratches Sam? and pats on the head. Yeah, and it brings out the best in us. And for me, you know, it was always fear-based. You know, that's what I'd, I'd act out of fear. Um, mm -hmm. I'd strike out of fear. I'd try to hold things at arm's length out of fear. Everything was like fear was the main driving force in my life. And and it can still get one up on me at times. You have not been rendered white as snow, even in 29 years of doing this. Uh, I'll say a couple of weeks ago, I made a two or three stumbles with several people. And I thought I mean, it was all at one time. 
and I had to clean up the little wreckages. Uh, and But I didn't come down on myself like, what's wrong with you? Or, you know better than this or any of that. It's like, I put my foot in it. I got to clean it up. Uh-huh. And, and we have the tools and we have the means to do it. And I did that and it, and it got taken care of. You know, I did what I needed to do. You know, in the old days, I would have just stayed there and, and run from it. Waited for it to go away. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. Wait for it to go away while it just sits over in the corner and festers and gets moldy and grows all <laughs> kinds of. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and, you know, today we can just head it off, just hit, come at it head on and say, this, this has got to be dealt with now. Let's do it. What's something that has happened in your 29 years where the program has really worked for you and changed your approach? Well, you know, when I was almost surprised, I shouldn't have been, but when I finally got well enough to where I could be honest with myself about my sexuality, and that was at 12 years sober. And it wasn't like I didn't know already, but I, it was not, I had not come to grips with it. You know, I had not fully embraced it, but I knew that it was something that needed to be addressed. And my sponsor helped me with that. We had a conversation where he basically gave me permission to be honest with myself out loud. Hmm. You know, I think you know what I mean. Yeah. And he brought me to the attention of somebody else in the program who was gay and who could help me. And I was still afraid, though, what would the people I'd known for years in AA who didn't know me that way and my straight friends and so forth, what would they think of me? And I thought about when I had to tell my story, was I going to talk about this, you know, the next time I was asked to speak and this sort of a thing. And of course, what did I do? Well, I prayed about it. Of course, that's what my sponsor always says. He always says, have you prayed about it? (laughs) (laughs) Have you prayed about it yet? That's right. <laughs> Maybe not so crusty, but <laughs> what's wrong with it? But you know, he's right. When I'm a little nervous, I don't go there right away. You know, I need a little nut. I did, and the opportunity came, and I said, "Well, here goes." And I told my whole story as I knew it at the time. There were many people in the audience I recognized that I had known since there was at least one person there that was at my first meeting. But I just put it in God's hands and just told it to the best of my ability, you know, without apology. So at an AA speaker meeting was the first time that you came out as gay? No, no. There were a couple of gay meetings in town and that my brothers and sisters or what have you, they of my acquaintances uh, accepted me into that fold beautifully. Mm hmm. At 12 years sober is when you uh, came out and you went to gay AA meetings. That is correct. My first experience of AA was gay AA meetings. Mm-hmm. You know, I was already out. I needed those gay AA meetings because mm-hmm. when I came into these rooms, I needed the gay thing not to be a problem. I needed it to be out of the way mm-hmm. so that I could hear the message of Alcoholics Anonymous. And so by going to gay AA meetings first, I was able to get comfortable in a meeting space. And then I went to mainstream meetings and well, what do you know? There's gay people in mainstream meetings too. Right. What was your experience of going to gay AA meetings in the beginning? So I'd come out to the the queer AA community, but 
that was it. And, and that was great the sense of relief and release was marvelous, you know, and it, it would, I felt so uh, affirmed. And I, to this day, I call it like, you know, it was a second birth in, in recovery for me. It really was. So, and after the meeting, everybody came up to me and shook my hand and gave me, it gave me hugs and I felt fully accepted. And, but then I thought, gosh, this is really what AA is. These people are really practicing AA yeah. and loving me, loving me as I am. You know, it wasn't like done in a half-baked or embarrassed way. It was just full on, we love you. I felt a tremendous amount of love. The steps allow for my insides and my outsides to match. Yeah. <laughs> that needs to happen. That's integrity. I it agree. Is. It needs to happen. Yeah, it absolutely. And that's a huge, huge gift because there was such a difference in before I got sober. You know, I had my public selves and then I had my hidden self selves. I wasn't comfortable anywhere. Our secrets keep us sick, mm -hmm. particularly when we hold on to big secrets that prevent me from being open and honest and truly myself with other people. That absolutely keeps me sick. You are so right. I didn't know that consciously. So much of AA wisdom, I had to have an experiential realization. And then the later in retrospect, I'd see what had happened. But in that's, the moment, that's kind of how it happens for us, right? <laughs> yes. In the moment, you don't know what is happening. But as yeah. long as we're willing, and then we get the result. I always used to think I had to have everything figured out beforehand, or else I wouldn't even attempt to take part. I mean, that's like a non-starter right there. <laughs> you can't do Dude, anything. You're singing my song. <laughs> yeah. But I it's like to talk about fear. Yeah. And that was the fear-based paradigm that of which I lived. But, you know, AA taught me to, to trust, to try it and, and whether you believe it or not, or all this stuff. And it just helps to break down that barrier that we put up to, that we think is protecting us, which is in fact, keeping us from growing, changing, uh, getting any relief. It's just keeps us bound up and miserable. I just. And isolated. Isolated. Thank you. That says it all. Well, Philip, I'm glad you're sober 29 <laughs> years because you're my sponsor. So I want you to stay that way. <laughs> Me too. And I, Oh, that, there I, you go. I, being self-centered again, Don. <laughs> <laughs> See how I can make it all about me. <laughs> so I have a question for you. There's all kinds of meeting types out there. There's discussion meetings. There's literature meetings. There are grapevine meetings. There are speaker meetings and a ton more. What's your favorite kind of meeting? Well, you know, the very first meeting I went to was a, a big book meeting. And I remember that the people there seemed like they were all like AA experts. They had their big books open. They had pencils. They <laughs> had on reading glasses. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was my impression. It's like, holy cow, I'm in here with a bunch of experts and, and I don't know a thing. But I think when all is said and done, I like literature meetings the best because they seem to have more depth and weight. I like meetings that are grounded in our literature somehow. 
so that we can reference stuff out of the literature and then elaborate upon it, expand upon it with our own experience. But I get something out of every kind of meeting. I, mm. On Zoom, you know, I, I often go to a meeting on weekdays, the Shivering Denizens meeting, and it's got something different every day of the week, practically. I like all the types of meetings, even discussion meetings, as long as there are people in the meeting who have long-term sobriety and can keep the discussion focused on the principles of Alcoholics Anonymous because it can go off the rails otherwise. Yeah, discussion, which is one of the reasons I've always offered to folks who were new and were starting to chair meetings, chair literature meetings because a literature-based meeting, you can always bring it back to the book. But, you know, in speaker meetings, for many, many years, I went to a speaker meeting every single Sunday night. I saw hundreds and hundreds of alcoholics telling their story. And what I learned from that, that I don't think I could have gotten any other way, was that it makes no difference how I was raised. I'm an alcoholic. And if I'm an alcoholic, I'm going to develop a drinking problem that's going to destroy my life. And I will blame whatever it was. So if I was raised with the most wonderful, loving, supportive, nurturing parents in the world, and once I start drinking, I'm an alcoholic. If I was raised with the worst parents in the world, abandoned, whatever, once I start drinking, I'm an alcoholic. And I did not know that. It is a disease. Alcoholism is a powerful equalizer. All that's true. So there's a lot to be said for newcomers going to a speaker meeting to be able to identify if they go and identify in rather than identify out. Well, and there, as a newcomer, I went to speaker meetings a lot. Now, not every speaker did I relate to all, you know, super strongly, but I related to parts along the way, but I got to hear the whole arc too. I got to hear the mess. And then that period of crisis when something changed and they started getting sober. And then I got to hear what life in sobriety is like. Mm-hmm. So that was a really cool and, and attractive experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm in a meeting now where we're reading the stories in the big book. That's the trajectory, of course, of every story. And I always love it every time. Well, my favorite meeting of all the meetings are the birthday meetings where there's cake. <laughs> and oh I wish that it was on Zoom. We have cake for you, Philip, for your anniversary. <laughs> but thanks for being here. Oh, you're welcome, Don. Thank you both. Thank you, Sam. Alcoholics run in your family? No, they mostly stumble around and break stuff. (laughs) (laughs) It's really not that funny. Thanks for joining us. The AA Grapevine Half Hour Variety Hour is posted every Monday and is produced by AA Grapevine, Inc., We don't speak for AA as a whole. We share the experience, strength, and hope of members to help others recover from alcoholism. 
Podcast info, including how to call in, is at aagrapevine.org slash podcast. Find AA Grapevine on Instagram and the AA Grapevine channel on YouTube. All things Grapevine are available at aagrapevine.org. If you want to know more about AA, Google Alcoholics Anonymous and your city or visit aa.org. Thank you.